today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Build an ark, yeah, here's the dimensions, here's the materials, here's the specs, here's the schematics, here's the blueprint, and he goes right to work. He has no idea yet about a flood. He has no children yet to put in there. Doesn't know yet what God's going to do. He just knows that God is going to do it. And the other thing is, he has no idea when God's going to do it. He just knows that God is going to do it. So by faith, he just does what God tells him to do. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. We often overthink things into the ground. When you have a lot on your plate, it's hard to not analyze it constantly and try to figure out a solution for everything. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us of Noah, who had no idea what a boat was, but out of faith decided he would build it anyway, because that's what God commanded him to do. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. My first computer, 1982. Don't do the math, I was two. Uh, It was a... IBM PC clone. And it didn't even have a hard drive. It had those two big floppy disks. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you young people have no idea. Just whatever. Didn't even have a hard drive. It it was huge. The monitor was as big as this pulpit. And it was slow. You stick that floppy in, that was the operating system. Then you put in the other one, that's the software. It was basically a glorified typewriter at that point. I'll never forget when I, when I upgraded. I got a 20 megabyte hard drive. Oh my goodness. I'll never fill that up. 20 megabytes! 20 megabytes! My oldest son uh, recently showed me a micro SD card. I mean, not an SD card. A micro SD card. Okay? I mean, even my reading glasses with the strength that I have, not enough. I, could, I was like, what is this? It's one terabyte. Terabyte? Do you know how many gigabytes that is? One terabyte. A little itsy bitsy thing. Okay, I know I said that was one last thing on this. I got one more last thing on this. I truly believe that this is demonic intelligence satanic intelligence. Oh, it's called AI, artificial intelligence, but (laughs) you don't think Satan knows the human genome and how to alter it? And all of this knowledge, where do you think it comes from? The technology. And that's what's happening. Now see, in Noah's day, uh, didn't really have the technology as it were, but there was another way. He accomplished the same thing in Noah's day that he's doing in our day in a different way. Same thing, different means, same end. Does that make sense? Okay, now let's talk just a little bit about Noah. 
and our text here in verse 7 of Hebrews 11. We're told that by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, had a holy fear. Stay with me. The holy fear was such that Noah, by faith, heeded the warning and built the ark to save his family as the heir of righteousness. By the way, some Bible commentators suggest that uh, his children hadn't even been born when he started building the ark. Let that sink in. And by faith, again, when we get to Abraham, <laughs> by faith, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And here's Noah, 99 years old. <laughs> that was an old prayer, God. You know, that ship has sailed. You know, look at Sarah. Oh, she's 90. You know, nope, I'm going to do it. Well, you better get going here, because uh, we're kind of running out of time. The clock is ticking, as they say. That's faith. But we're told here that before Noah had children, he built this ark to save his children. He hadn't had his children yet. That's faith. There's a couple more things here too, as we're going to see in a moment. That holy fear, by the way, there's unholy fear. God's not given us a spirit of that fear, but there is such a thing as holy fear, the fear of the Lord. The proverb says that it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. And to fear the Lord is to hate evil. That was the holy fear that Noah had. And very interesting, by the way, let me just, before I forget this, it's not in my notes again. When Noah is first told to do this, God has not yet told him what he's going to do. In other words, Noah, I want you to build an ark, a boat. He hasn't told Noah yet that he's going to destroy the world and judge the world with a flood. So by faith, build an ark. Yeah, here's the dimensions, here's the materials, here's the specs, here's the schematics, here's the blueprint and he goes right to work. He has no idea yet about a flood. He has no children yet to put in there. He doesn't know yet what God's going to do. He just knows that God is going to do it. And the other thing is, he has no idea when God's going to do it. He just knows that God is going to do it. So by faith, he just does what God tells him to do. Get this, one hundred years. I'm just tired thinking about that. A hundred years. And could you imagine, he's building a boat on dry ground. It's not at a yacht club, there's no, you know, bay there, there's, no, he's building it on the ground, out in the middle of nowhere. Can you imagine? He was mocked and ridiculed till the cows came home. I don't know what that expression means, but you, you know what I'm talking about. And yet, by faith, in his faith and righteousness and all add obedience, did it. Could you imagine the Noah jokes going around during that time? 
<laughs> How many Noahs does it take to change the light bulb? He's heard them all. Hey, can you imagine the, the dialogue as he's building this thing? What are you doing, Noah? Oh, I'm, I'm building an ark. What's an ark? Well, it's kind of a, a boat. What's a boat? Oh, it's a, a thing that will float in the flood. What's a flood? Well, a flood is when, sounds like a little three-year-old asking uh, their parents all these questions, right? Why is the sky blue? Because it's God's favorite color. That's the answer, by the way, when you have a child ask you that. What's a flood? Well, a flood is when rain comes down from the sky and floods the earth. Um, what's rain? Oh, you, you think I'm joking. I'm not. They had never seen rain before. And it's believed at that time there was a water canopy over the earth. And it was the dew that watered the earth. They had never seen rain before. This is where you need to take that verse out of your hip pocket, because Jesus said they had known nothing about up until the flood came. Think this through with me. Like with Noah in his day, so too is this true for us in our day. Prior to the judgment of God coming down upon the world. They knew nothing about what's coming down from the sky, like we in our day know nothing about what's coming in the rapture when people go up into the sky. Let me say the same thing in a different way. They had never seen rain come down before. So here by faith is a guy building a boat for a flood from the rain that has never happened before. And he was a preacher of righteousness, by the way. And <laughs> here we are in our day. In a, in a sense, you could, you could see it and say it this way. We too are like Noah in our day, preaching righteousness that the rapture is coming. What's the rapture? Oh, it's when people are taken up into the sky. It's the same answer that Noah gave, only a little bit of a different context. What's a flood? Well, it's when rain comes down from the sky, What's a rapture? Oh, that's when people go up into the sky. Oh, come on! <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having too much fun with this, but a number of years ago I had a, a pastor actually ask me this question. He said, do you really believe in a secret rapture? Don't you just love questions like that? The way they're couched and the way they ask it is kind of, you don't believe that, do you? That's what it was like. It was kind of like, and, and then what are you like? You're like, um, yeah, <laughs> no way. Are you, are you crazy? Uh, that's what they said of Noah. 
Isn't it interesting that when it happened, it happened, but it was too late. They were left behind. You see the connections here? So let's um, kind of try to wrap it up with this answer to that question. Are the days that we're living in today like the days of Noah? Absolutely they are. And now it's just a matter of time. You got the population of man, the wickedness of man, and perhaps more importantly now, the altering of the genetics of man, all three of which were chief and supreme and primary in Noah's day. In fact, some experts believe that the population of the earth in Noah's day was about what the population of the earth is today. You can search that on your own, by the way. I mean, we just got done reading it in Genesis 6, didn't we? That man increased on the earth. There are those that are, man, they've got a gift to be able to do that. They take the scriptures and they calculate what the population could have been at that time, based on the genealogies. You know the genealogies, right? The parts of the Bible that we just skip. You don't want to do that in Matthew and Luke, by the way. So powerful, the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. And Matthew is a little bit different than Luke, both of which, I mean, prove, prove that He's the Savior. And, you know, in particularly in Matthew's Gospel, I know I'm kind of getting off. I'll, I'll come back to the sermon already in progress, but this is really interesting. Uh, when we were studying through Matthew, this is a number of years ago too, Matthew chapter 1, you know, the so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, and then everybody's just like, Ugh. when you go back and you look at some of the names in there, you know what you're going to find? Well, first of all, get this, you're going to find women. <gasps> no! Yeah. This is unheard of. This is forbidden in the Middle East. You cannot come. The women were nothing. They were not even considered human. You know, the Jews had a, a prayer. I'm getting way off, but I'm already way off, so. They would thank God that they weren't born a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. I'm so sorry, ladies. This, I, I'm just quoting to you what, that in my culture, in the Arab culture in the Middle East, if a girl is born, everybody goes home. Ah, oh, it's a girl. No, I'm, I'm serious. If a boy is born, party! Last for days. All the gifts. Why? Because the boy carries the family name. The girl doesn't. Growing up, my sister, poor thing, I mean, my parents very much held to the, the culture, the Middle Eastern culture. And I mean, boys are just so important, and conversely, the girls are not in that culture. To this day, by the way, sadly. But in the genealogy of the Savior of the world, you have women there. You have prostitutes in there. No! You would think 
that the Savior of the world would come from noble birth. No. You go through that genealogy and you see who the Savior came from. Why? Why do we have that recorded for us? And why would the Savior come from that lineage? Because <laughs> He came for the sick, the least, the last. He came as a Savior for man. And when you go through the Gospels, what you'll notice is that the Savior was attracted to those people. He would even go over to their house for dinner, and he would eat with prostitutes and tax collectors. These were IRS employees. No, for real, he would have dinner with them. Okay, back to our sermon already in progress. So let's just say for purpose of discussion that we've established that the days of Noah that we have described for us in Scripture are like the days that we're living in today. Are we good with that? Okay. Now what do we do with that? The Apostle Peter has the answer in his second epistle, chapter 3. I want to begin reading in verse 1. He says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. 4 verse 5, and I want to, want to really draw the, your attention to this. They willfully forget, this is deliberate, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water, and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. They willfully forget that. Some of your translations render it, they deliberately forget that God judged the world by a flood in Noah's day. But, verse 7, the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved, not for a flood, for fire, until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, 
in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Like Noah, judgment's coming. I'm going to use a flood to destroy the earth. Us today, fast forward, judgment's coming. I'm going to use fire to destroy the earth. How then ought you to live in light of that? Are you going to heed the warning like Noah with that holy fear, knowing what's coming? Because it's coming. In fact, it's here. It's that close. I think we are on the cusp of the rapture of the church. It is imminent. And the commencement of the seven-year tribulation, at the end of which God will destroy the earth with fire, and the heavens too. Why? Because sin entered heaven too. That's why Revelation 21 and 22 are about the new heavens and the new earth. Can't wait. Lord, come quickly. It's getting so evil. The wickedness of man, so evil, so evil. And by the way, <laughs> we wrestle not against man, human, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, wickedness in high places. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 delineates between four different entities in the spiritual realm. This is a spiritual battle. Your boss that is, whatever, he's not the enemy. He's the mission field. The enemy is the enemy. Your neighbor who gives you grief, <laughs> they're not the enemy. They're the mission field. My neighbor came over, I helped him out, and he said, I got my shots. I'm like, no. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for telling us describing really in great detail, prophetically, what the world's going to be like at the time of the end, and comparing it to Noah's day, because we're looking around in our day, and I mean, it's exactly like it was in Noah's day, Lord. And that can only mean one thing, and that's that you're coming soon. Lord, I pray that we would seize every opportunity that is presented to us, that we would take heed with holy fear. And as the Apostle Peter asks the question, knowing these things, how then ought we to live? Oh Lord, thank you for your word. <laughs> 
In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews right here on In Spirit and Truth. To 